0: Yeah. Oh yeah, to see. Man, it is so good to be with you, church. So glad you're here today. So glad for so many of you joining us online today from all over the place. And great to see so many of your smiling faces here on this beautiful sunny day. Hey, if you were with us last week, wasn't Easter awesome? Man, what a great day. You guys see a lot of the way I see in a while. And listen, Listen, y'all, 17 people made the bold, courageous decision to leave the darkness and step into the light forever with Jesus, right? Man, what a beautiful day that was. And if you were here with us last week and you were feeling a nudge, but you didn't get to the water, you need to know it's not too late for you. Right, in fact, we got a few people at the end of the service where you can get to celebrate making that decision. But if you know that you need Jesus to save you, And you are ready to allow Jesus to lead you. Then we'll see you in the water at the end of the service. It's not too late for you. That decision is still wide open for you. And that's one of the things we love most here. Is seeing people make that decision. Because our mission is all about helping everyone find and follow Jesus. That's why we exist. That's what we're here to do. To help people find and follow Jesus. And that includes everyone. So no matter how far you might feel from God. No matter what you've done. No matter how far you've strayed, God still has space for you. The cross still covers you, right? And the resurrection of Jesus still applies to all of us. And that's that's really good news, church. But that's not enough. Not enough for us just to find Jesus. Not enough just to step out of the darkness and in the light. we got to keep walking in the light. That's what a life of faith means. That's what this life with Jesus is all about as we continue to walk with him for the long haul. And so to that end, we want to help you develop rhythms in your life to help you do that. And one of those is prayer, and we're kicking off a series today called Conversations with God. Because without prayer, nothing else really comes into place. I mean, even John Bon Jovi was singing how much he was just living on pariah. He even knew. Who knew you are going to come to church today and get to hang out with Jen Bon Jovi, right? right? You know, listen. We take God and his word and our life of faith very seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. We'd like to have a little fun so that we can acknowledge that we don't have it all together, but he does, right? So you might not think of yourself as a praying person. I look around I know some of you, like you are prayer warriors, like you spend time and you spend hours in prayer and I am grateful for you. But some of you, you might think, man, I don't know. I don't know about this prayer thing. Maybe you kind of gave up on it. Maybe you're a little disillusioned with it. You're just not sure, man. What's, what's with prayer? Am I doing it right? Is there a formula I'm supposed to follow? Is God even listening? Does he even care? Prayer doesn't seem to work. Prayer seems mystic, mysterious, weird. But I bet, I bet that even if you're a person who says you don't pray, I bet you still pray sometimes. I mentioned it last week, like you're a student and you show up and the teacher says, Hey, pop quiz, you pray. Those lights flash behind you and they don't move around you and you gotta pull over to the side of the road, they follow you, you, you pray. You, you get on the airplane and you see the pilot come on and introduce himself as a pilot and he looks barely old enough to shave. Oh baby, you pray in that moment. I right, all pray. You know there are times you pray. Like we all have those moments of prayer, whether we'd like to admit it or not, when you're sitting in the office meeting and it just keeps dragging on and you realize that what you ate for lunch was a really poor decision. Uh, you're praying in that moment, man. It's just like, Lord, let it end or let this thing calm down. When you stub your toe and you call out angrily to God for the damnation of that thing you just kicked, that's a form of prayer. It might not be a good form of prayer, but that's prayer. You see something that just has so much delight, and you're just like, you're in so much honor It's like, oh, my God, and you, you can't even finish that prayer. It might not be the best way to pray, but that's prayer, baby. Like all of us pray. You're sitting in the doctor's office. The doctor has that look of concern on his face. You're not sure where it's going. You know you pray. When your teenager is out later than you anticipated, and you're just waiting for them to get home safely. Every parent knows in that moment you pray. You're waiting on the response from that girl you just asked out. Oh, man, you're praying then. You're waiting for things to go the way you want them to. You pray. Listen, the reality is that everybody prays sometimes. Sometimes. Everybody prays sometimes. And what research tells us, studies show that most people wish they prayed more. Most people wish they prayed more and prayed better. In fact, how many of you wish you had a more robust and vibrant prayer life in your life? Go ahead, raise your hands. How many of you wish you had a more vibrant prayer life? That's right. I look around the room. Listen, here's what I noticed. I noticed some of the hands going up of people who I know pray a lot, Do I say, man, they've got an envious prayer rhythm in their life. And they say, I wish it was more. I wish it was better. Got to let you know a little secret. Me too. Me too. Listen, I'm your preacher and, and I wish I prayed more and more effectively, more vibrantly. And this might surprise some of y'all, because if you know me, for those of you who do know me, you know I can carry on a conversation with myself, like, all day long. Right? I got enough words, Plus, I, I know, like, the whole generic thing of, like, men have, like, one-fifth the amount of words that women do. Not in my home. And my poor wife, she is, like, whew, I, I, she may have as many words as other women. She just never gets to share them, because I'm, like, you know, I'm the chatty Cathy from, you know, Plains of I just pull my own cord. But yet, prayer... It doesn't come natural for me. Like, I love connecting with other people. I'll take you out for coffee, lunch, you want to meet, man. We'll keep the conversation going, and I promise I won't do all the talking. I'll invite you. I want to hear your story. I want to know where you come from. But, man, I love connecting. But for some reason, prayer just doesn't seem to fit quite right in that mold. It, it, it's off for me sometimes. i As a guy who's got a whole lot of words and a whole lot of talking, and I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what the reason. Maybe it's because the one I'm talking to in that moment. I can't see, I can't feel, I can't touch, right? It's a little mysterious there. Maybe it's because I'm so easily distracted. Squirrel, right? I don't know. But all I know is I wish I prayed more. I wish I prayed better. That's what I know. But I also know I'm in good news because I saw a lot of your hands go up too. So I feel pretty good. Man, if you're like me and a lot of you just said you are, here's the good news for all of us is that The people who had the most time with Jesus, people who kept company with Jesus a lot, they said the same thing. They wanted a more robust prayer life. In fact, they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Luke records it this way. It says, one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, uh, he finished up. And one of his disciples said to him, now this disciple came to him on behalf of the others. We see that because of the pronoun. This guy was chosen by the others to come up and he says, hey, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, notice here, he doesn't say teach us how to pray. I mean, that's wrapped up in this. Jesus does teach that, but he says teach us to pray. Teach us to be men of prayer. Teach us to be praying people. Don't just teach us to how to. Teach us how to put that in our lives so that we are people of prayer. Not just the skill, but to put the skill into practice. Teach us to pray. And I think that's pretty wild because these guys saw Jesus do all kinds of pretty awesome things. Like these guys were witness. To the miracles and the messages of Jesus. These, these guys saw Jesus walk on water. Like that's, if you're gonna ask Jesus anything, like that seems to be maybe one of them, right? These guys saw Jesus interact with a blind person and he gave them sight. A deaf guy makes them hear. Dead people, they're alive, right? Demons flee. Like Jesus did awesome things. So what the disciples do is they come to Jesus and they don't ask for any of that stuff. They ask Jesus to pray. That's the only spot we have recorded in the Gospels where the disciples come to Jesus and say, teach us something. Now, Jesus is teaching them all the time. They're receptive to They're not always, like, getting it. But he's teaching, they're his students. But this is the only time recorded where they say, teach us something. What they say is teach us to pray, not teach us any of those things. And I'm thinking as somebody in ministry, right, and their job was going to be kind of like mine. I'm thinking of all the things that I could have in my toolbox like, if I show up to do a baptism and I walk on top of that water coming out, some of y'all are like, I might trust that guy with what he says about God. I mean, it's just, a like cool thing to have in the bag. If I show up and there's a demon possession, and, I, and it's not like you see in the movies where, like, you know, you watch the movie, it's the bit actor. He's getting, like, slammed into the wall, and the demons are going to beat up on him, throw him out a window, like, that guy's done, right? Like, no, no, Jesus shows up on the scene for demon possession, and the demons are like, don't hurt us. The demons are always the one afraid. They're the ones getting thumped up on like you, you have that in your body. If I show up at a funeral and be like, oh man, everybody's like, so, buddy, wake up. And like the dead person starts hanging out again. Like, oh, new life right there. I'm thinking that will draw a crowd. Right? If, if you're the disciple, you're going to ask Jesus for something you're going to have in your ministry toolbox. Those are the things that the disciples don't do that. that. That's not what they do. In fact, they notice something totally different. They asked for prayer. Because they witnessed This rhythm of prayer in Jesus' life. We just have several spots where it's recorded. After sending everybody else away, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray, praying alone. Night fell while he was still there praying alone. On another occasion, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up early and went to an isolated place to pray. On another occasion, Jesus one day soon afterward, he went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. Now hold on there prayed all night. You know Jesus took naps, okay? So for those of you who are like Sunday afternoon nappers, this is your justification. Because you know anybody who's staying up all night praying is going to sneak in some sleep at another time. There's the moment when Jesus is in a boat and a storm rolls in and the boat is rocking and thumping and the waves are crashing and the storm is blowing and the disciples are freaking out. Some of these dudes were fishermen who made their life on the water and they're afraid they're going to die. What's Jesus doing? He's taking a nap. You know why? He probably was up all night the night before praying. That's why. But because he was up all night praying, you know we did when they woke him up, he's like, guys, really? Storm, shut it. <sighs> and it's calm because he was a man of prayer and a man of naps. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Another occasion. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus had this rhythm about him of going off on his own to pray. It was just a natural rhythm in his life. Now, why didn't the disciples ask for any of those other things? Because they were wise enough to conclude that this is what everything hinged on. They watched this rhythm of prayer in Jesus' life. They watched him get alone with God the Father often. And it was because of his prayerfulness that he was able to accomplish all those other things. In fact, they knew, they saw that Jesus' power was made possible by his prayerfulness. No prayer, no power. You ain't got no power if you ain't got no prayer. They saw Jesus pray all the time. It's just a natural rhythm to his life. As natural as eating or sleeping. And his power came from that. They realized that when Jesus was doing all the things, that, that When he healed, when he created miracles. At the time when he's, you know, there's a huge crowd that gathers and Jesus takes a lunchable, turns it into an all-you-can-eat buffet for everybody. It's because he had been in prayer with God. Right? Like these things stemmed from his prayerfulness. And and they saw this come about when when the disciples had tried to kick a demon out of a young boy. There's a man who came, his son, was demon-possessed. And the disciples tried to, to kick the demon out. And it doesn't work. And then Jesus steps up and is like, demons be gone. They're like, uh, go easy on us. And boom, like kicks them out of there. And the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We just did the same thing and we failed. What's up with that? Jesus, Why the? what's going on here? And Jesus' response says, well, this kind can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. That's the only way you're getting rid of those demons. Now, if you go and read in Mark chapter 9 where this is recorded for us. What you find that's very interesting is Jesus says the only way those demons are coming out is by prayer and fasting. What you don't see Jesus do is stop and be like, hey, guys, we've got to take like three days. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. It doesn't happen. Now, before I go on, let, let me just, I mentioned this word fasting. That's kind of a, word's gotten kind of hijacked in our culture. Because there's like dietary fasting and fitness fasting. And, and fasting is like a medical thing. And that's, that's legit. But Biblical fasting means you stop something, right? You take a break from something that you enjoy, that you need. In the Bible, it, it's food. Now, can you fast from other things? Yeah. Because the disciples weren't walking around with smartphones that had such a hole on them. But you can fast from your phone, you fast from other things, fast from technology, fast from digital, whatever. But in the Bible, they fasted from food. And the purpose of a biblical fast, the purpose of that to be coupled with prayer is that when you are hungry for that thing, it's to remind you of how hungry you should be for the things of God and for God himself. So when you feel those hunger pangs and you're taking a break from eating for a day or two or three or 40, and you're like, oh man, I really want that food. Oh God, I really need you. And then you meet with him in prayer. Or you're taking a break from your phone, like, oh, I really feel like, man, my thumb is just itching to scroll the screen again. God, I need to hunger for you that way. May I itch that way for you. So this is the, the picture of biblical fasting. But what we notice in this moment, Jesus kicks these demons out of the boy. Jesus does not stop for prayer and fasting in that moment. It's just not in the story. So what we know is that Jesus just lives a rhythm of prayer and fasting. It's obvious as we study his life that he had already been praying and fasting. And and not specifically for that boy, but for getting time with his father. And and Jesus' rhythm of prayer and fasting meant that he was ready for whatever came his way. That anything that came his way, he was ready for it. Like, guys, you haven't been hanging out with the father enough. That's why you can't do this thing. But you get time with, with dad up in heaven you do anything that comes your way you face any obstacle that comes at you you tell that mountain to move it's going to move you shake it off its foundation so Jesus just had this rhythm of prayer now, I like that word rhythm because it, it gives a flow to life almost like there's a music to the way we're supposed to live we just concluded our first session of rooted a few weeks back Got any rooted people in here Got, got a few whoops, all right? Yeah, we got some Rooted peeps in here. We're getting ready to launch Rooted Session 2, our summer session coming up. One of the things that I love most about Rooted, one of the things that compelled us to bring that here, and Rooted is simply a, it's a 10-week group experience to help you connect with God, to connect with your church, and to connect better with your own purpose, yourself, to know, man, this is the way to live. And, and so, one of the things that Rooted does is it helps us develop these rhythms of life it Gives us seven different rhythms That focuses on And one of those rhythms Is prayer Like you would expect that And there's a week Dedicated to prayer In fact there's an experience This extra experience The prayer experience Rooted folks Good good thing Give me a whoop If you loved it Alright You don't have to take my word for it Take theirs Alright <laughs> The rooted prayer experience Good stuff Woo So It's also embedded Into every other week of rooted That you're going to learn To develop this rhythm of prayer so, friend, let me just tell you, if you're going to be around this summer and you're not yet signed up for Rooted, you haven't done it yet, do it. And again, you don't have to take my word for it, take theirs. Take the word of the whoops in the room, all right? It's worth it. If you've not yet done Rooted, sign up. It's going to be great for you. Now, back to Jesus. I want to remind us of, of how Jesus operated sometimes we get thinking that Jesus was like this divine magician come into the flesh, right? Like he had all this, this holy power from heaven that like all the miracles he did was like, because he's God. Like, oh, I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to feed 5,000 people with a lunch bowl. But what scripture tells us is when Jesus stepped out of heaven into this world, stepped into the flesh, he, he, he retained his essence of God. He was still God. Just in the flesh, but all of his divine power and all of his divine privilege he set aside so he could live as a man. Not, not, not as this like superhuman, superpower person, right? He's not an avenger, like the holy avenger, right? He's he's a man. As the essence of God, but he's a man. And so all of his power came from meeting with God the Father getting filled up with the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit at work in him and through him. And Jesus that's accessible to us as well. So, so what Jesus did, he accomplished the power of the Holy Spirit because he was meeting with God the Father. And, and the disciples begin to see this, and they marvel at how differently Jesus prayed than everyone else. Well, like up until that point, through so much of history... Especially the Jewish history, the Israelite history of the Old Testament. Prayer was predominantly a public thing. You you prayed as a group with other people. Family units would pray together. The people in that community would go and pray together in the synagogue. Prayer was a communal thing. It was a public thing. There are instances we see some very beautiful private prayers offered to God throughout the Old Testament. But that's the exception, not the norm. Even the psalms, the psalmist wrote these psalms, these prayers, and they're like song prayers put together. And there's notation on nearly all of them to be used in the public service. Prayer was predominantly a public thing, not a private thing. Now, that doesn't mean, like, don't misread me on that. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pray with others. We should. We should pray with other people more than we probably do. And we should pray publicly. We should pray with each other. But we shouldn't only do that. But but up until that time, that, that's mostly how they knew prayer. And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and, and he ushers in this, this radical new way of a personal, private prayer of just, like, spontaneous communion with God as he's going about his day. And, like, putting this into a rhythm of his life where it's just regular for him to be alone in prayer with God, different than most of the others would have known. A way different than what we see for most other people before Jesus' ministry. In fact, one of the most outstanding things Jesus does is, like throughout the Old Testament, you never see anyone refer to God as Father. Jesus shows up, and the Gospels record 170 different instances of Jesus talking about God as Father. Now, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, but if I were, i bit bet on Jesus, because you're just going to win, but I would say that Jesus probably said that a whole lot more than 170 times. I'm guessing... Most of its prayers included a reference to God as Father, but before that time, nobody did. Prior to His ministry, but then we receive this: Jesus tells us that's how we should do it too. We come across this, Matthew chapter six. Jesus says, "When you pray," he doesn't say if; it's just understood like when you pray. So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, the people who wear the mask, the facade, the plastic people. They fake it for others, right? Those people love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by other people. And he says, and I tell you, listen, they'll get their reward. They pray to be seen by other people. They'll be seen by other people, and that's where it stops. But you, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. You're not going to see who's looking at you. And I tell you that your Father who sees what you do will reward you. You pray to be seen by the people you can see, that's your reward. Is oh, look at how spiritual that guy is. Ooh, he prays. You pray to the Father you can't see. He's going to see you. He's going to reward you differently. Now, does this mean that we should not pray publicly? Does this mean we should never pray with other people? No, that is not the point of Jesus' instruction. We should pray together. We should pray publicly. But we should not only pray together. We should not only pray publicly. We should have time of individual prayer where we are meeting with God. And definitely, you know, as we look at the life of Jesus, one of the things we see that made Jesus most angry was when people turned prayer or turned faith into the competition. They made it about themselves to show how super spiritual they were, right? These hypocrites—he references, standing on the street corners. Oh, holiest, almighty God, thou art so divine. And we beseech thee to come and meet with us now. We're so grateful for you. And God, we ask. Your favor upon us because you know we are better than those people over there. Like, if you pray, like, for starters, you pray in that voice, you're weird, all right? Let's just get that out of the way. But if that's the kind of prayer you pray, like, you're missing the point. As, as soon as prayer becomes about you, as soon as pride enters into prayer, we've totally missed the point. Because prayer by nature is inherently humble. It, it's like the like the deepest act of humility. In, in prayer, we acknowledge that we're not God. I mean, that's the point of prayer. It's like, I'm not God, which means I'm not in control. It means I don't have it all together. It means I'm not spiritually superior to anyone. But yet I can get time with the one who is. Like, I don't have it together. I'm not God, but yet I can meet with God. And he will meet with me. Wow. Wow. So let us never make prayer about ourselves. Let's never make prayer about ourselves. You know, what we see modeled in Jesus' life is is he doesn't just pray to get things. And he never prays to elevate himself. That's the thing that blows me away. Like if there's ever been a person who could pray a prayer, God, thanks that I'm not like them. It was Jesus, right? Like in the moment where he's on the cross being crucified by flawed people. He could have said, God, thanks that I'm better than them. Let's wipe them out. Instead, his prayer is, God, will you forgive them? They don't even realize it. Like, there's ever been anyone who could elevate himself in prayer to Jesus, and yet he just doesn't do that very often. And I think too often we approach prayer with this, like, warped Santa Claus mentality. Like, I'm going to bring you my list, and I expect to get it. Like, you owe it to me. I've earned this. So here's my list. Make it happen. Even when it's good things. And it's not that God doesn't want us to ask for stuff. He does. He's a good father. He wants to give good things to his kids. But it just because that shouldn't be the only thing that prayer is. Like, if that's all that prayer is to you, is God, here's my list. I expect it. it Get used to disappointment. Because it's just not how it works. You know, for Jesus, prayer was so radically different. He he didn't pray to get things, even good things. He prayed simply just to get with God, just to be with his Father. For Jesus, that was the point of prayer. I'm going to hang out with my dad. I think we'd do well to have more of that mentality for ourselves. You know, my line of work, one of the things that blows me away is when I study the ministry of Jesus. There are these moments where huge crowds just come in on them. Like the, the multitudes come in, thousands of people gather around, they want to hear him. And, and by our standards, like by modern metrics, not just in the U.S., but throughout much of the world, the metric is, man, you fill the room, you fill the stadium, you're kind of a big deal. And listen, it's not bad for someone to gain a following because they communicate well about the things of God. That's okay. That's actually a good thing. It's not bad to have a lot of people gather to hear the good news of Jesus preached. That's a good thing. But what strikes me about Jesus is that was not the main thing, like never the main thing. In fact, the crowds are coming in. Just read through the Gospels and watch what Jesus does. The crowds come in. What's Jesus? He sneaks away. Why? So he can go get time with the Father. Now he's coming back to the crowd. But this is what we learn from the pattern of Jesus' life: is when the crowds come in, He sneaks away, He goes out, meets with the Father, and then He comes back. And here's why: as He knows, without time alone with the One, He has nothing to offer the many. Without time alone with God the Father, He's got nothing to offer anyone else. So every time Jesus heals, every time Jesus performs a miracle, every time Jesus teaches, it's out of the overflow. Of the time he spends with the Father. Now that's a pretty good model for a guy who does what I do. Now we live in a day and an age where you can get on Google, you get on Right mean, you can get on your apps. And you can find a hundred other preachers to listen to in addition to me. And that's great. Just to let you know, I do that. Just to let you know. I'm not my favorite preacher to listen to. (laughs) There are other dudes who I listen to. But I want you ever to follow somebody who doesn't get alone with God first. Because a person who doesn't make it a habit to get alone with God has very little, if anything, to offer you or anyone else. Now that's true of people in my profession, but that's not only true of us. It's true of you as well. You better get alone with God. Learn to talk to God and definitely learn to talk to God about others before you talk to others about him. Friends, we just need to make that part of our rhythm. See, according to the pattern of Jesus, prayer is so much more than just a list of demands. It's a dialogue with a loving father. It's never just to get from God, even good things from God, never even just to get the healing of somebody else. That seems like a pretty legit thing. But it's first and foremost just to get with God. So if you had a friend who the only time they connect with you is because they want something from you, what kind of friendship is that, right? Like, that's not a friend. Hey, man, I need to borrow your truck. Hey, man, I need to ride to this place. Hey, man, I need to. Like, listen, the person who only calls up because they want something from you, that's not a friend, that's a mooch. That's Kramer to Seinfeld, right? Like, that's the, and God is looking for more than mooches, He wants kids. Now, kids are needy by nature. I've got three of them. They're teenagers. The needs change. They always stay needy. I'm 40. I still have needs. i 45 almost. I, I still call my mom. There's still like a, a son to parent need, right? It's like, oh, I just want that time. Of but it looks different now. I call my mom up. It's not because I need money anymore. I just need to talk to my mom. That's what God desires from us is that we just get with him. Augustine, early church father referred to prayer as getting time with God. I just call it witness. God just wants to be with his kids. He just wants it to be with him. And it's a beautiful thing, right? Develop our witness. And listen, we talk a lot in the church about developing our witness, how we share the good news with other people. Be honest, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But your witness is only as powerful as your witness. You don't get time with him, you really don't have much to offer anybody out there. Your witness will be terribly limited without witness, God desires to be with his kids. Clement of Alexandria, another early church father, who said it this way, says, prayer is keeping company with God. I really like that, keeping company with God. Friends, here's what we know from scripture. Here's what we know from the truth of history. By the cross of Jesus Christ and a tomb that was vacated a few days later, we have dramatic proof of God's desire to keep company with He would step out of glory and step here so that he could keep company with us. God desires that his children are simply with him. Prayer is a foretaste of heaven where we get to be with God forever. I practice it now. And Jesus said, this is is the standard for us. His friend John recorded this. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches and those who I'm going to say this a little differently. Remain to me, those who are with me, those who keep company with me and allow me to keep company with them, uh, their lives will be so fruitful. Because apart from me, I, you can't do anything. So anyone who does not keep company with me, well, they're thrown away like a useless branch that withers. Those branches are gathered up in a pile. They're burned at the end. But if you keep company with me and you allow my words to keep company in you, then you may ask anything you want, and it'll be granted. Now, now don't get ahead of yourself there. It doesn't mean you get out your laundry list, you run to God, Hey, God, get some time with you. How about that brand-new quadcat F-150 4x4? That'd be nice. How about that vacation home in Malibu? No, no, no. You spend time getting with God keeping company with him, what you'll find is that the longer you hang with Jesus, the more time you keep with him, that over time, you will want what he wants for you, which is way better than what you want for you. The more time you keep with Jesus, the more it's gonna change you in really beautiful ways. So friend, we wanna offer you some pretty simple ways to begin practicing withness. And even if you're a praying person, to take your withness to another level. There was a guy, a monk named Brother Lawrence, lived back in the 1600s. And his job was super awesome. Like he wasn't the guy who went out and like led millions of people to Jesus and was doing all these radical cool things. His job was to help maintain the monastery where he lived with the other monks who were keeping company with God. And Brother Lawrence, she said, Man, I'm gonna practice the presence of God. He wrote this little book. It's really more of a pamphlet than a book. A little book called Practicing the Presence of God. Where he just detailed what it was like to be with God, practice withness. He would prepare the meal for you can tell that I prepare all the meals, because this is how you prepare a meal. I don't know. As he prepared meals for the monks. And it was God, be with me in this moment. Let's chat while I cut up the cucumbers. I don't know. As he would serve the meal, God, let's chat as I serve. Cleaning up, doing the dishes, God, let's chat. Sweeping the floor, God, let's chat. Mopping the floor, God, let's chat. Cleaning the toilets, God said, you can do that one on your own. (laughs) Who wants to hang out with somebody else while they clean the toilet? Like, "Ah." But yet God, I think, was still leaving there in that midst too. Just keeping company with God. So friend, here is how I'm going to encourage you to keep company with God. You begin your day with this, God, I know you're with me. God, I know you're with me. Just help me to be aware of your presence throughout the day, and then as you go about the day, as things unravel throughout the day, you just say, "God, the thing that person said hurt." I know you're with me. Can you bring some healing, God? I'm really excited about that. saying. I'm going to need to share it with somebody. I know you're with me. Here we go. Here's my joy, God. I'm I'm frustrated, God. I'm I'm fearful, God. I'm nervous, God. I'm anxious, God. I'm, Can you, you're with me. Can you bring me your peace, your patience, your joy? Can you just remind me? I'm feeling lonely. Can you remind me that you're here? I know you're here. Can you help me feel it? And at the end of your day, you just reflect on the difference it makes knowing that God is with you throughout the day. At the end of your day, you say, God, you just confess to him. God, it's obvious I'm pretty terribly unaware of your presence. Help me learn to live more in your presence. Now, friends, we want to offer you a couple other opportunities as well. One, our elders are praying men. And one of the things I most appreciate and love about the guys who helped lead this church is the fact that they're praying men. In fact, their prayerfulness gives me confidence increasingly in their leadership. And these guys don't love to just pray for you. They'd love to pray with you. So at the end of every service, some of our elders are going to gather uh, at the cross right over here. And if you need prayer for anything, you just go up to them and they'll pray for it. And if you need more time tonight, you need a more concentrated time, they're going to make themselves available every Sunday at 9 a.m. in the prayer room, which is right around the corner over there in that hallway. And you could sign up for that. When Mark mentions at the end of the service to text next, you just, on the next form, 502-289-1387, you text in next, and you say, you know, on the other form, Pray with an elder. We'll reach out to you. We'll set it up. You can do that same thing at the next step counter in the lobby. If you need prayer, listen, those are good people to have praying over you and for you and with you. I'm going to give you another opportunity as well. It seems like it would be pretty wild if we have a whole series on prayer. It's going to last about 40 days. We don't actually pray as a people like that. That would just be absurd. So we have a prayer experience we've created and we just want to circle our church in prayer. I think we got a picture of it. We're, we're going to have a starting point out here with a QR code. And on that QR code, you can just snap it. We've got a weekly prayer guide. It's actually a daily prayer guide. We're going to make the daily prayers for each week available. We're going to pray for our community. We're going to pray for our church. We're going to pray for leaders. We're going to pray for local businesses. We're going to pray for our schools. We're going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray for those who just... Began their journey with Jesus last week to keep on on that journey. We're going to pray for that throughout the season. We're going to pray for everything, national leaders and church leaders and everything. we pray for you, your families. But we're going to encourage you to circle the church in prayer. We had 2,098 people join us last week for you. So that was pretty cool. That was a good day, right? So on behalf of that, we're going to challenge you to join in and do 2,098. Not you as an individual, but you collectively. Right, that would be a lot for you. And this is about a half mile around. It's about a half mile around our church in the perimeter of the parking lot. You snap it there, you'll have the prayer guide, and then you can track your laps on that same QR code. There will be a link telling us how many laps you walked. So one person, one lap, that's equals one. So if you're there with your family, you've got a family of five, you make your way around. At the end of that, that's five laps. If you get your small group there, ten people in your small group, you do two laps, woo, that's great. At the end of it, you track it, that's 20 laps. And in the next 40 days we want to circle our prayer 2,098 times. Praying for the things that are on God's heart. Practicing witness. And you can begin today. Before you leave, you can begin to make a lap around the church in prayer. You come anytime. You come, meet somebody for lunch. You walk around the church. You drop your kids off for groups. Wednesday night, you walk around, take a couple laps. You come here with a small group. Whenever it's convenient for you, or even when it's not convenient, you make a point to come here. You track your laps and you pray. And here's why this is important. There's nothing inherently biblical about this. nothing inherently spiritual about walking around a church praying. But there is something powerful when God's people join in and we all are praying on the same things. Something powerful for all those 17 people who chose new life last week for the three, maybe four, who will be beginning today if everybody else in this church is praying for them on their journey. Here's what I can guarantee you. You'll develop a witness, a rhythm of prayer, of with God during this series that will change the trajectory of your life. And I guarantee you, the enemy does not like what's going on here. He doesn't like what we're talking about. He does not like that we're saying, we're not in control. God is. We're going to lean on him, not on ourselves. We're not doing it on our own. He doesn't like that 17 people chose new life. He doesn't like that people are showing up, that we're teaching on the things of God. He doesn't like that we are. So the enemy is going to work against us. But by prayer, we have power. The miracles Jesus did were because he had power that stemmed from his prayerfulness. And as we become a church of prayerfulness... We will see the power of God unleashed in us and the cages of hell will rattle and the demons of hell won't pick a fight, they'll run in fear. And I guarantee you of that, church. And so as we continually develop our witness with God, here's what I guarantee, that you're not gonna wanna be sitting on the sideline at the end, you're not gonna wanna miss out, but you're gonna wanna be in the game. Now, I know that not everybody can walk a half mile, I know that not everybody can join and I know some of you join us online, you're online because you have to be, you got no other option, So you get creative, you create your own circle, you do your own thing, and you can track that and that's legit, but let's be a people of witness. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God who desires to be with us. You're a God who listens to us. You're a God who invites us into your presence. You're a God who wants to speak to his children and be known by them. You're a God who wants to give good gifts to us, gifts better than all the crazy things we can ask for at times. You're a God who demonstrated how much, how deeply you desire to be with us and demonstrated it on a cross and in a tomb and in a vacant grave. So God, we confess how terribly unaware we are so often that we we'll gather for times like this and we might gather with our group and we might pray before a meal, we might pray with our family, we might read some scripture throughout the day, but so often we're just so unaware of you. God, help us to be aware of your presence all the time and may that change us from the inside out. May we become more aware of what you're doing in us and among us and through us. And God, as a result, may we see your power unleashed in our church and unleashed in our community as we simply get time with you. And God, our desires that you would get all the glory and honor and majesty and praise and worship because you and you alone deserve it because you and you alone are God. And we pray this all in your glorious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.